You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Welcome to Comeback City, where we explore Detroit's past, present, and future. Today, we are talking about the fabulous Fisher Building and the Fisher Brothers, who built it. Right. Um, With me today, I'm Linda Shepard. With me today is my co-host, Ed Brohart. How are you doing, Ed? Hi, Linda. I'm good. How are you? Good. So, um, that is an amazing building. And I know you took the tour. I did. Just this past weekend. I did. I mean, it's something I had meant to do for so long. I know that you and and your husband, Randy, had done it last year. And uh, I said, no, we definitely need to do this. So my wife and I went down last Sunday and um, really had a nice time. Of course, Sunday was a horrible day, but um, it didn't matter. It was fine inside. It wasn't too crowded. So <laughs> uh, might have been a good really day to go on the it. tour. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody was there. It uh, Actually, it was well attended. But was it really? Yeah, I think because people had... Uh, it was a snowy day. Yeah, and Pure Detroit does a real nice job with their tours because, you know, you uh, re- even though it's free, you're registering online. So, I mean, I think it keeps people showing up at the right time. Oh, you that's don't a have good stragglers idea. and you yeah. know how many they're going to get. And if they had an overload, they could say, you know, they were full and do another one. And uh, But they have uh, two – this weekend they had two tours on both Saturday and Sunday. So And they're free, which is amazing. It is. It's about an hour long. You know, when I went on the tour, the thing that struck me the most was – if you go up to the second floor and, you know, it's kind of a weird little thing. You're just kind of walking around almost like this short little hallway with a, with a, uh, you know, the, kind of the railing next to it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it, you know, it's not like an enclosed hallway. It's all open, but boy, do you get an amazing view of those gorgeous murals on it the is. ceiling. You, uh, you know what I felt like? I felt like, um, I almost felt like Michelangelo up at the Sistine <laughs> doing Ceiling. the yeah, Sistine Chapel. Chapel. Yeah, it's like you're up near the the top of the uh, uh, of the fresco on the the vaulted arch on these these wonderful concourses, you know, and. Um, and I'd never done that before. You're, had you're, you? Had you ever been up on that second floor? I had walked up, but I hadn't really taken the time and, and gone down to the perfect vantage point, which is at the south end, where you can look both down, you know, the north-south, and because it's an L-shape. So the north-south yeah, and an the east-west, and uh, right at that crux, and you can see in both directions. And the uh, it's like magic. The frescoes are like four feet away from you. It's just it's you're in another world. Yeah, and the colors are so vibrant. It is so beautiful. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, I'd always realized how beautiful the Fisher Building was. You know, from going there for you know to theater, you know, to see the theater, Mm -hmm. Um, and maybe for yeah, probably mostly to the theater. That's what you go to the Fisher for. Mm -hmm. But going up on that second level right changed everything yeah 
No, I, I, I think that was true and I, I felt that too. Um, I think that's one of the – that's why they actually make that one of the major stops uh, on the tour. Um, and just, you know, the colors and the design. Oh, the colors and the designs and are so beautiful. I guess in the past when I've gone to the Fisher Building, you, you always see it driving by no matter where you're going in Detroit. The outside is beautiful. You, you, yeah. you see it. I mean it's, it's, it's there it's a, on the horizon. It's you got know, that it's green all lit up. roof. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's lit gold it's at a night, beacon. and it's a beacon, and um, so you're very much aware of it. If you're going inside, you're probably going to the Fisher or something Mostly. that's down there. But you know, very seldom do you take the time to actually look at all the detail and look up and look up. You know, and there's a reason it's called Detroit's largest art object. Oh. You know, because that's what it is. So, it is absolutely amazing. Yeah, yeah. It's very, very beautiful. Yeah, I've really kind of, you know, since I've been on that tour, it's made me take a second look at the entire building. And that concourse on the second level is just incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the last time I was there, which was maybe a month or two ago, I took the time to just kind of walk around and go in some of the shops. And I don't know, did you go into the Peacock Room at all? Uh, the dress shop? Uh, no, I and it was open, but we saw it from the outside and, and uh, um, maybe walked in a little bit, but yeah. Well, nice. um, the owner of the Peacock Room, it's a dress shop, but they also have a lot of other things in there too. She told me that when she moved in, they had the drop ceiling that covered all the beautiful um, carvings on the ceiling. And she had a company, I think it was two women that came in and restored the ceiling and painted it. And the, the next time you're there, check out that ceiling. They mm-hmm. did the most beautiful job of painting in very delicate colors, these gorgeous wreath carvings in the ceiling. And then she also put some money into some really beautiful chandeliers in, oh, the, in the shop too. So that's, I mean, that kind of, Gives you a little bit of a flavor of to the way the, you know, building used to look. Because one thing that really struck me on the tour was that, you know, the Fisher Theater was so very different. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, they modernized it when in the Mm -hmm. 50s, 60s. Um, Yeah, actually, yes, in, in the 60s, right. Right. And didn't you just really want to see the way it used to look? <laughs> yeah, I, I've seen pictures of it, and it must have been a, a real sight to behold. Although I have to say that the renovation they did on it is just is, – is beautiful. It's a mid-century but modern It's a mid-century modern. Style. It's understated. Um, it's uh, – It's very simple, very kind of almost plain. Yes, but very classy, I think. Very nice, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, it kind of reminds me of uh, the designs they have with like um, touching concentric uh, elongated circles um, along the wall. Reminds me of the Hudson's that they built in the uh, – at the various malls in the um, – Oh, yeah. I mean, it, that kind it's, of yeah. It's, it's I know the what same you're talking kind about. of feeling. Yeah, and it's a it's a very kind of fifties mo- motif, right? And design. Um, 
but it, it's classy and they've uh, done a beautiful job with their lobby. Um, it's serene. It's easy to get around. Uh, the, the, you know, restrooms and everything are nice. So I, I, you know, a lot of people say, oh, why couldn't it be the extravaganza it was before? But I can understand why that wouldn't make sense. And I now. think the idea was to bring in more, um, traveling, you know, uh, big ticket theatrical right. performances. That's right. It was. And in fact, this was without a doubt the, uh, the finest, uh, theater that probably Detroit had had in, in the 20th century as far as bringing in big national names, uh, actually trying out movies. I mean, this became a, um, Detroit became during the 60s, 70s, and 80s into the 90s became a, a major place to try out big Broadway productions. Yeah, and I remember it, you know, from decades and decades ago that you know it was the place to go see some really first-rate theater. Right, but the original must have been a sight to behold. I think so, and you know we've had so many, you know, projects in Detroit, the Opera House mm -hmm. right. and the uh, Fox Theater that really kind of really do show us what it did look like. Right. That, um, well, this was really the last of the uh, the great movie palaces in Detroit. It was the last one built. Yeah. I mean, a lot of them were built pretty close together, but uh, this was only like a, a year or two after the Fox. But um, it was really the last one in 1928. So, uh, And as, you know, many people might know, it really didn't it really wasn't the same design as the Fisher Theater. It was an entity all unto itself because it was done in uh, Aztec, Revival, yeah. Mayan. Yeah, kind, yeah. Uh, <laughs> the pictures of it yeah. make it look extremely uh, dramatic. Dramatic. It was like A little bit to, like the Fox. Yeah, but it was like going to Chichen Itza in Mexico yeah. or something, like, you know, stepped pyramids. And yeah, really over the staircases. top. staircases. They actually had um, koi ponds with fish in it. Wow. They had macaws, birds, uh, that were there that people – that the patrons could actually feed. Oh, that's a riot. <laughs> that is a riot. So let's talk a little bit about the Fisher Building. Okay, mm -hmm. so um, if there's anyone listening that doesn't live in the Detroit area, it's not downtown Detroit. No. It's – Five miles north of the city in the new center area. Right. The new center. Um, and the men that built the Fisher building are the Fisher brothers. That's right. Seven brothers who, like Henry Ford, came from uh, very modest roots, um, Norwalk, Ohio, down toward Cincinnati. Yeah. And, uh, the f their father was in the carriage business. And, uh, so they, you know, that was their business, but that was, you know, obviously pre, uh, internal Motors. combustion engine. And, and, uh, so, um, yes, they, they knew about building carriages and that was their trade, but they obviously were smart and adaptable and very cohesive as a family. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Imagine. I mean, Working with six of your brothers. Yeah. I mean, you know. <laughs> it would be hard. Yeah. You would think sibling rivalry would get <laughs> you, in the it way. It would be hard. But, but, you know. It doesn't sound like it was a no, problem. No. They, the, 
every single day, except for I think the youngest one who maybe didn't go into the business. Um, but every, every all of the others, every day, like clockwork, uh, I had, I think, 1245, they had their luncheon meeting and uh, they would, they would, you know, and this was their entire lives, would uh, discuss the family business. And uh, at various times, they all, uh, you know, had leadership roles in it. Um, but for the most part, I think they weren't publicity seekers. No. They were pretty low-key, even though at one time they were the wealthiest, some of the wealthiest people in the world. That's right. Body by Fisher. They were. They were. I mean, that that itself became a catchphrase. And uh, uh, they had their, their little um, kind of antique coach logo that they had. Um, and, of course, they were in the right place at the right time. As so many of our, our our great industrials in Detroit that we've looked at, um, because they were able to offer something to the uh, burgeoning car industry that um, no one else had, and that was to actually have the body that made this a usable car. Before before the Fishers came along. Uh, the motor car, you know, it it was an oddity. It was uh, – uh, people were extremely interested in it, but people didn't see a real practical application for it. I mean, you know, you couldn't you couldn't use it in bad weather uh, because it was all open. It was like, uh, you know, being in an old horse-drawn carriage. They're the ones that were the first to come up with an enclosed carriage. Um, the body of the car uh, that would have the engine put into it. And Ford didn't do that. All of the early pioneers hadn't done that. It took the Fishers to do that. And that's why that was so valuable to the, uh, the, the progression of the automobile in the early part of the 20th century. Yeah. It, you know, they had a great idea. and uh, They it- sold it to Cadillac first. They, it worked out really well for them. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but this building, the Fisher Building, I mean, I would say, I know they were really su- su- successful at creating, you know, Body by Fisher and everything. But mm-hmm. I, I think the building is probably their great one of their greatest testaments. It's just so gorgeous. It was. And um, I think as they... Uh, you know, they, they wound up selling their business to General Motors in uh, two major stages at for huge, huge amounts of money, you know, making them billionaires. And um, they still had proprietary uh, – they had exclusive rights uh, to um, – to uh, sell GM all of their products. So, you know, it wasn't like they were in competition with anyone else. Uh, and many of them, they, they were on the board of GM. Uh, but they became more and more interested in moving away from that and really concentrating on uh, their philanthropic endeavors and also on this magnificent building that they had built. It's really amazing. And, you know, I think 
nowadays, people really don't know that much about the Fisher Brothers. I think because they were kind of low key, they didn't really make a big mm-hmm. splash anywhere. Mm-hmm. But I find, you know, some of them pretty fascinating, to tell you the truth. Um, I don't know, about six or seven years ago, my brother and I decided to tour the Fisher Mansion that is um, on the Detroit River. Yeah. That is owned by the Hare Krishnas. Yes. Currently. And um we had a lovely tour. Uh we were given lays. I don't know if they still give you the fresh flower lays when you walk in and walk you around the building. But um our guide was so interesting because he talked about Lawrence Fisher mm-hmm. and I had never heard this story before. Evidently of the seven brothers, he I think he was fourth Fourth of 11 children. He was the fourth, yeah. Yeah. And um, he was the one Fisher brother who didn't marry. That's right. Everyone else was married. They had big, huge mansions on Boston Boulevard. Right. Actually went through one of the Fisher brothers' homes last year. It was on the Junior League show house tour. Was and that it the was Charles huge. Fisher? That was Charles that, Fisher's house. That's the biggest house. one in Boston. That is Edison. the biggest house yeah. on Boston Boulevard. But Lawrence Fisher uh, didn't marry, and he had this great big house that was designed by uh, Howard C. Howard Crane, right? The that guy had, that, that had done the movie palaces. that did all the movie. Yeah. You know, he you know this was he went a little flamboyant on this house. It it yeah. I mean, when you talk about something being Hollywood, this was a Hollywood this house. Totally, it, it was looked Hollywood. like it could have been right out of uh, Beverly Hills or Bel Air. Or, and it yeah. was, and it's right on the water. And uh-huh. I remember during the tour, they said, "Well, this is the boat launch, and it was connected to the house, yeah. so you didn't have to leave your house to That's jump right. on your boat and go for you know a ride on the water." That's right. But the story that our guide told us, I had never heard before, which was that Lawrence Fisher had wanted to get married in his early twenties, but his mother. Put the kibosh on the wedding because the girl was not the same religion. And it wasn't that far apart. It wasn't like Catholic Jewish or anything. It was like Methodist, Congregationalist, but she forbade it. And he was a good son. He didn't marry this girl. Yeah, Margaret. Instead, he became a playboy. That's right. And there were pictures all over the house. Of him with movie stars uh, like Greta Garbo and all these 1920s silent film stars. Yeah, I mean, it, he became the party boy mm-hmm. in, you know, and having this gorgeous, you know, movie theater type house. Right. You know, a Hollywood style house. I mean, he was just having the the time of his life. But what was very interesting was his mother died. When Lawrence Fisher was 62, and after his mother died, he married that lady. I did not know that. And, you know, I went to the Detroit Public Library, to the Burton Collection, and looked up Lawrence Fisher's names. And I actually found a few articles about his wedding. And uh, there was a quote from one of his sister-in-laws who said uh, that... The, the wife, he, she was there for the wedding, which was up in the Upper Peninsula at the 
family hunting grounds called Waters Meet, the family fishing mm-hmm. lodge. Okay. And so they had the wedding up there. I, the woman's name was Dolly Roach. And um, they were married. And the sister-in-law said, we've known Dolly for years. We couldn't be happier for <laughs> them. Is that great? Had she, you know, was this just like a... Pining I think they, for each other their whole lives. I or, guess so. I mean, had she married or anything? No, or? she had not married, and I think she was in an apartment in the Whittier, okay. that big apartment yeah. complex right yeah. on the river. That's right. So, what a love story! That is a love story. Well, you know, it. it uh, of all the brothers, he was the one that probably, like you said, had the more more uh, Hollywood-type lifestyle. Thanks to his mother. Yeah, yeah, thanks to his mother. But, you know, he missed out on having a family. Yeah. This, you know, it's kind of a sad story, but it's great that... In a way, but they wound up together. They did wind up together. interestingly enough, when the um, Nederlander organization came in, uh, it was Lawrence that set all of that up, that started that as a premier... Um, legitimate theater yeah, and oversaw the renovation and everything. So it was Lawrence that really was responsible uh, in courting the Nederlanders, which was the second largest uh, theatrical family uh, of theater owners in in the country. Right. uh, Next to the Schuberts. And and, uh, so that was Lawrence. So he he probably (laughs) had that sort of Hollywood – uh, mentality connection, connection. Yeah. yeah. So all those uh, movie stars that he had. That's know, right. That's right. Over at the house, but so then I found another article about Lawrence Fisher's death um, at the Burton Collection. After ten years of marriage, he died. He was stricken ill while entertaining Dwight Eisenhower and his brother with his brothers at Watersmeet. Up in the Upper Peninsula. Really? He got sick up there and died. Oh, no. Yeah, I don't imagine there's the best medical facilities there. It's like Drummond Island or something. Right. Yeah. Dwight Eisenhower was there. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that story. Wow. Interesting. That's kind of a movie right there. I know. I know. <laughs> a little bit. Well, it's fun to go around uh, Detroit and to check out all these Fisher houses because, you know, a lot of them are still there and they're magnificent and a lot of them have been restored. And um, Well, the know. Fisher brothers, there were a bunch of them and right. they had and, relatives. Right. And, and because they were such a close-knit family, they they settled pretty close together. I mean, most I think of they them were homebodies. Were, most of them were in Boston Edison, and and uh, um, you know, there's the Charles T. Fisher House that you went through, that's now been bought by the actor Hill Harper, right? And um, was featured in the in uh, the Good Doctor, maybe. Or? Yes, I think he yeah. is. He, but he's been right. in a number of things, and he. You know, was here filming in Detroit and just loved the city, which a lot of people have. That's happened to a lot of people, and um, decided he wanted to could buy a magnificent house here, much easier than he could in uh, in California, and um, decided he has a son, a young son, and decided he wanted to raise him here. That's great. 
So you yeah. know, those houses on Boston Boulevard are so huge. Right. I think that is one of the problems. You really need some sort of Downton Abbey staff, you know. Well that, for that those Fisher houses. House is the largest one it's, in Boston, yeah, Edison. They it's are so thirty eight thousand square feet. <laughs> you know, I mean, can you imagine? I, no, I can't imagine. <laughs> And I do remember when Lawrence Fisher's house was sold to the Hare Krishnas. Was right. that the 70s or it was a long time it, ago? It was. And interestingly enough, the people that bought it were <laughs> such – this is so strange. I mean it's an automotive connection all the way around. It's the um, the daughter of Walter Ruther, the great labor leader. Oh. And one, she joined and, the Hare Krishna. And, a grand, and a grandson of – um, Henry Ford. Yes, and they both became Hare Krishna and found each other, labor and management, <laughs> and moved into the Fisher Mansion. I mean, there's a, a wonderful poetry to all of that. There really is. And I have to say, I thought the house was in great shape. The Hare Krishna have taken very nice care of it. They have. Um, And it's a fabulous location mm-hmm. right on the water and kind of a little canal there too. Yes, right. Um Grey Haven it's called. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was very interesting uh to go through that tour. And you know, you don't hear as much about the Hari Krishna now that they're not at the airport handing out flowers. <laughs> right. But um they are still alive and well and you know yeah, doing and you, good. You can go on. I, I think there there was a restaurant there uh, that served um, vegetarian vegetarian food. Vendas. Yes. I don't know if they still are operating that or not. Yeah, I know. But back to the building. So, yeah, you know, I mean, it was it was the vision of the brothers, and when, and of course. You know, when they decided they wanted to have a magnificent building, and it wasn't as a self-aggrandizement, it was really something that would be like a gift to the city of Detroit, okay? Yeah. Um, they weren't thinking of making tremendous no, money it off it. it was a total gift. Uh, and, you know, they said that they would um, – they just – put as much money as uh, the architect wanted. And, of course, that architect had to be the most prominent architect in Detroit at the time, uh, one of the most prominent in the nation, Albert Kahn. And uh, so it it was like a a dream job for any architect because they said money is no expense. And they wanted it to be uh, beautiful and something that would represent the city that they were so proud of. So – um, it, it really was kind of their gift to the city of Detroit. And 25% of the cost of the building went to art and decoration. Yeah. Can you imagine And you can that? tell. Yeah. And you see it. You you absolutely you, – you see it when you go down there. Um, the uh, – you know, they, they used the, the best master craftsmen. You know, the, the uh, wonderful – um, frescoes that we talked about uh, were done by a Hungarian named um, Geza Marty, and he, he that was this was interesting. He was Hungarian. He was here doing uh, classes and studying and working uh, at the Cranbrook Institute out in Bloomfield Hills uh, with Eliel 
um, Saarinen. And because the Fishers um, knew the scripts that, you know, uh, mm-hmm. owned the land that, that Cranbrook was on, um, the, the Fisher brothers got to know this artist and uh, or Kahn got to know this artist. And, uh, and we, I don't know if we've mentioned before, but Albert Kahn is the architect of the Fisher Building. He is the architect. Uh, and a, as we've talked about, you know, he would have lead architects that would be responsible for a good deal of the design. In this case, it was a uh, an architect from Boston who had been from Boston uh, named Joseph Nathaniel French. And um, – uh, French went on afterwards to uh, build a lot of Khan's uh, factories in the Soviet Union that uh, were so influential to the development there. But uh, yes, they uh, Khan met Marty, and Marty, the artist, came and, and planned these wonderful frescoes. Now he didn't actually paint them; he designed them. And then he did what the, you know, just as they had in the Renaissance, he would make a, a cartoon, they call it, uh, which was sort of a, a drawing of it. And then the actual painting would be done by craftsmen. And in this case, that was led by two brothers, the DeLorenzo brothers. Boy, they've held up well. They have. They they do not look faded or, yeah. you know, I'm not sure what they look like at the beginning, but they look beautiful and luminous and and it, and, and, and they actually applied guilt, of course, to it. Oh, you know, so they are luminous. And um, do you remember how they uh, they clean them? No, with buttermilk. Really? Yes, <laughs> buttermilk. That's how. And uh, I think that was done a few years ago. Interesting. Yeah, gallons and gallons of buttermilk. Oh my goodness! So, um, yeah, it's uh, the the Fisher Building's gone through on uh, many hands. And um, it seemed to be in very good hands right now with the the most recent owner, and um, they've put a lot into um, uh, rehabbing and and um, making sure that these things are absolutely pristine, just like they were when they were first first uh, seen. Yeah, they are twenty six lunettes. They call them with symbolic designs and subjects like architecture, art, justice, knowledge, music, navigation, peace, and thrift. That would make mm-hmm. kind of a fun treasure hunt. Right. Find each of those uh, subjects. Right. Um, yeah. The, the, they, are, they are just like jewelry up there. With they that are, gold. and it's uh, it's three stories. So you have the um, the 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 uh, commercial stores that were down on the uh, main floor, and a lot of them actually went up to the second floor too. Like for instance, in the Pier de Detroit, uh, there's an interior stairway all done in beautiful mosaic tiles. The entire stairway that goes up to a uh, a second floor. Uh, which isn't being used now, but um, but it's there. I said, is that the original stairway? And they said, yep, yeah, it sure is. Um, there was, um, and along with things like the dress shop you mentioned, uh, originally there was um, uh, a classic business called Julie's, and it was a dress store. And it was, our, our guide told us that it was especially popular 
uh, not only with um, wealthy people in, in business and, and uh, government, but with the mob. The Detroit mob, it was their favorite place. And uh, that the uh, the Detroit mobsters, I suppose the Purple Gang, ex- the purple gang. et cetera, would, uh, would actually uh, take their wives to Julie's on one day and then they'd take their mistresses oh, the on a different yes. day. Oh, no. <laughs> and, uh, Julie was the keeper of secrets. She here. was the keeper of secrets. Yeah, when I walked around, you know, I have not gone into the General Motors building. Have you been inside that building, Ed? Um, I have, yeah, but not not recently. I mean, I tried to get in, but I kind of needed a pass to get in. Maybe I was go- trying to go through the wrong door. I think door. I was down there for uh, some some presentation a number of years ago. I mean, because they, they had like showrooms in the front. Right. It was almost like a giant dealership, you know. Well, you know, the Fisher Building is connected to the General Motors Building, mm-hmm. which I haven't seen the inside of, but the outside is very, very beautiful. Right. And also the New Center Building. Yeah, the New Center Building, uh, the Albert Kahn Building. Right. Um, and they have a they have a underground tunnel, right. all tiled, um, that connect. That's where I tried to get into the GM building. Yeah, they, it connects to that and then connects across Grand Boulevard into the GM building. And originally they had um, uh, they had shops and stores down there too. So it was kind of like an underground city as you, you know, went from one place yeah. to another. Yeah. Well, I did manage to take the walkway over into the new center building. And I know the... There's part of it that's undergoing renovation right now Mm -hmm. to be residences, and that was all blocked off. But the part of the new center building that I could get into was an amazing contrast to the Fisher building. I don't know if maybe they renovated. Did you go into the new center building at all? It's very modern looking. No, I didn't. Um, Yeah, and it doesn't look very good. Really? It's filled with, I mean, you walk through the walkway and all of a sudden you can smell food and it, there's kind of a big food court in there. Okay. Um, and it's, yeah, it's kind of like 70s modern. If it was renovated, I really didn't check that out. I probably should. I don't know what happened to it, but it's worth it just to go in there and then go back to the Fisher building to find true beauty. <laughs> That's interesting. I'm going to have to do that next trip down. Yeah, it was, you know, it was kind of a shock. It was like, oh, where am I all Now, was that the new center building or the so-called Albert Kahn building? There's two. Well, are, yes, one, one is they are next. connected, and I couldn't get into the Albert Kahn building. Well, the Albert Kahn is uh, far more subdued, but it's still, at least the pictures I've seen, um, are, are very pretty, very classy. Yeah, it was blocked off because of the kind construction. Of dec- yeah, kind, uh, very deco uh, looking. No, um, no, this new center building was not deco <laughs> at deco. all. Okay, it was basically seventies ugly. I would say. Okay, all right. Well, that's interesting. I'm going to have to check that out. They yeah, need to do something about that. I mean, it's <laughs> nice if you want some food. They've got the food court, but uh-huh. they've got some really cute coffee shops in the Fisher Building now. So yeah, yeah, they've know. got like City Bakery from New York that has uh, their famous hot chocolate. 
So uh, that's down at one end. Right. There are some, you know, there have been some important tenants in the Fisher Building uh, right up to today. I mean, one certainly is um, WJR, the radio station. Right. You know, I mean, it's still, it, it's always, since the very beginning, it's, uh, they've used the logo. In fact, I think this is actually written into their contract where they have to say, um, Live from the Golden Tower of the Fisher Building. I love it. You know, the fact is, it's really not up in the Golden Tower. It's only on the eighth floor, but <laughs> it sounds better. Yeah, you know, up in the up in the Golden Tower. So that tower was originally gold or copper. Yeah, it was. Um, it was actually gold. Uh, it was done in in gilt. Um, and, uh, you know, it was magnificent. It was all illuminated. Um, you know, it was like this big, shiny, beautiful gold tower. Um, and then World War II came along. And, you know, even though we had not been attacked um, by air in this country, there was a lot of fear. I mean, you had the Blitz in London. You had, you know, these... Uh, major air attacks. And that was always a great fear. You know, I mean, there were air raid drills and oh, everything. Yeah. And they thought that would be absolute ground zero to have this shining gold thing. It would be like a bullseye. Yeah. And, um, you know, it, at, at that time, within like a two mile radius were some of the major, you, you, you had, um, you had the GM building, and of course, all of the all of the industry in World War II was geared toward the war effort. So it wasn't just taking out, um, you know, car factories and things like that. Uh, it would be actually uh, dealing a, a, a death blow to, uh, you know, to the war effort. So you know, within uh, a few miles, you had the Dodge main plant, you had the uh, Chrysler plants, you had GM plants, you had the GM headquarters, you had the headquarters of Burroughs, um, you had major corporations um, all right clustered around this this building. So they needed to camouflage it, if you will, and so they covered it over with asphalt. Unfortunately, after it's the war, so unbelievable. I know. At, at the uh, after when the war was over, uh, and they removed the asphalt, all of the gold came off with it. The gold leaf, yeah, yeah. So it was it was gone. So then, what they had to do um, was, you know, put on a different covering, and and uh, they chose to just do a uh, uh, a green terracotta, yeah. Ter- terracotta. It's and, still uh, really visible from a yeah, long and, and they and they do and they do kind of a orange gold light at night, so you do have that effect, you know. But I, it, it would have been wonderful to see it in its original state. It really would have. Yeah. But that tower was originally planned to be one of three towers. Yeah. And you know what? When I look at the Fisher Building, it does seem like. You know, that tower isn't in the middle of the building. Mm -mm. No, it's over to one side because the original plan called for three towers. That's right. But, you know, once again, this was built during the Roaring Twenties and 
right after the Roaring Twenties. We yeah. got the Great Depression. 1920, you had the stock market crash. And, you know, as we've mentioned before in talking about other, so many of our other Detroit um, masterpieces of architecture, uh, it all, it, it, it reached its peak in the 20s and then just completely fell off in the 30s. In fact, there was no major um, buildings skyscrapers that were built for the entire decade. But you're right. It was going to be one of three. And in fact, it wasn't even the biggest one. It was going to be one of right. the, uh, one of the towers that were going to be on each side with, with an even taller tower right. in the middle. Right now, the, the tower is, uh, you know, 29 stories, but there was a plan for a 60 story central tower. Yes. Right. But, you know, um, it's gorgeous still, even without those other towers. And when it was built, uh, this was very radical and really different for the time. It was built with an 11-story parking garage. I know. With room for 1,100 automobiles attached to the buildings. So the tenants didn't have, you know, they could, if they worked on the 10th floor, they could park their car on the 10th floor on the of tenth the floor. and yes. then just walk to their office. That's right. And that parking garage had a um very innovative at the time double helix design that allowed cars to go up and down the ramp system at the same time. Right. So it's the kind of thing that we see now commonly in parking garages at the time but at it the was time, groundbreaking. It hadn't been done like that at all. So, yes, uh, getting in and out was much easier. They had all these uh, white uniformed attendants that would, uh, would um, you know, uh, take care of your car. And you, they even offered services so that if you had your General Motors car um, and you wanted to have it serviced while you were shopping or – uh, going to the movies or even, you know, driving to work and parking in the garage, they could actually do that on site. <laughs> so they had a complete service garage that also would service the cars. To me, the Fisher Building also is a little bit like its own little city. It is. I it's mean, got everything in it, and it's not downtown. And when it was built— you know, now we kind of consider it part of downtown or just adjacent to downtown. Mm-hmm. But when it was built, you know, it was is actually three miles from downtown. Um, but still, that was the suburbs, I guess, kind of a little bit outside right. of the city. Right. Definitely a neighborhood. It yeah, it was a neighborhood, and and I mean, one of the reasons was just uh, necessity. They originally thought of putting it downtown, maybe along Woodward Grand Circus Park. There was no way for the kind of project they wanted that they could acquire that kind of land. Not only would the cost have been prohibitive, but there was not that much land available. You know, this was going to be a big footprint. And so um, a few years earlier, of course, the huge GM building had located out in this quote-unquote, news center out at Grand Boulevard. And so they thought the land was available there. 
Um, and so they were able to just acquire this entire block between 2nd and 3rd and Grand and Lothrop Street. And uh, so it made sense to put it out there. And it really was a good move because um, – Imagine what the you know the congestion and the the parking and everything. If you would put this immense building right down in in the center of the city, so yeah, there were a lot of reasons to do that. Plus, the new center was almost the geographic center of Detroit at the time. And I just love the fact that okay, if, if you know, I mean, back in say nineteen. 19- well, 20 or 40 or any time, you know, you lived in one of those neighbor on one of those neighboring streets, which is all beautiful houses. And they were probably, you know, in their prime at the time too. And you could walk a couple blocks over to one of the most beautiful buildings in the United States mm-hmm. and shop. And you can still go to the drugstore there. There's a drugstore there. Mm-hmm. And have this, some coffee. This, I mean, it would still be fun to live near it. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people have called the Fisher Building the first enclosed mall. It's it's too nice yeah. for that mall word. Yeah. Way too nice. <laughs> <laughs> it's a work of art. But it was also kind of uh, patterned on what you see in cities like Paris, where they did have a history of having these um, interior – uh, shopping malls that would be like um, a concourse between two streets, yeah, and would have shops indoor. It's a great idea. Shops, you know, especially in a in a city that has a long winter, a long winter, a northern climate. Right, it made a lot of sense because you had climate control, and uh, you know, hey, you you had all all this space, and you could have restaurants, drugstores, uh, shops. Um, the third floor was uh, even way back when it was first built. Uh, the third floor of the uh, concourse um, would have like little temporary shops that today we would call pop ups. Pop ups, yeah. And uh, they would uh, be specialty shops for you know seasonal things or for specific purposes. So yeah, there was there there was a uh, you know a lot of interest in that. One of the things that you notice when you go down there are the gorgeous elevator doors. Oh, beautiful. They're just beautiful. They're all done in, in relief, uh, kind of a gold, brass colored. And they're, uh, they have like, uh, classical figures, almost like something you'd see in, um, in, uh, Florence, Italy. Um, and yet if you take a second look, you see that, and, and this is the Art Deco part of it, uh, these figures of, nymphs and and uh um figures from antiquity are actually holding objects that are modern <laughs> you know like uh electronics and and uh you see like pictures of planes or cars or things like that but it's all interwoven into this kind of mythological um setting so uh the 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 uh the elevators are are really kind of amazing. And at the time when they were built, they were the fastest elevators in the world. Um you know, some of the skyscrapers in New York beat that out a few years later, but um you know, you could you could whisk up pretty fast uh to where you were going and they were the first self-operated elevators. 
So they, you know, you would just push the floor and there you'd go. I think um, I read also that on one of the floors, I can't remember which one, there was actually a carousel. Yeah. That may have been in the – could that have been in the uh, the the preschool? Yes. Yes. There's a – they have an interesting picture of it. They and do. It's on the fourth floor. And I asked a question about this because I said, "Is this has this been repurposed?" It was a huge uh, day scare, uh, daycare and preschool, so you could actually drop your your kids off if you mm. were going shopping or, you know, uh, going to the uh, the beauty salon or uh, whatever it is you were doing, taking your kids to work day, whatever. Um, and I, I think that's where they, they had the carousel and they had all kinds of, uh, you know, kid-oriented things. And above it all was a huge and immense um, skylight. It was a glass roof on the fourth floor. It must have been like an interior, um, you know, an interior space. And uh, they said right now it's not, but there are, are plans to look at developing that into something because it's such an unusual space. Yeah. It, well, the, the, now, the biggest tenant right now, or one of the biggest tenants, is Detroit schools um, because the, the schools had been down in the Maccabees building mm -hmm. um, adjacent to Kitty Corner from the, the art museum and the library. And um, they didn't feel they had adequate space, and it was going to cost too much to um, to renovate the the Maccabees building, which is also an Albert Con. Um, but so so they the space was available in the uh, Fisher building, and they've taken five floors. Okay, five entire floors, um, but it was controversial. Because uh, they wound up paying more for their lease there at the Fisher Building than the th that the uh, building had actually been bought for the year oh. before, <laughs> and if, there were all kinds of audits and say, wait a minute, is this good use of taxpayer money? Yeah, uh, but that's where they are. Uh, that's where the superintendent of schools is. I think they're up on uh, one of the higher floors, fourteenth maybe. Um, you know, I was kind of sad to see GM leave the new center area and go into the Renaissance Center downtown. Right. right. That seemed like kind of a big hit, but that's those are all state offices now, aren't they? Yeah, right. It's now called Cadillac, Cadillac Place. Right. So, you know, they've got tenants, and I think that, you know, in our comeback city, um, the new center area is growing. It is. They've and got new apartment buildings going up. Well, this the the manage the, the the people that bought this, and they got a great deal because the Farben Group that had owned it before uh, wound up filing for bankruptcy, or at least the Fisher Building did. And I mean, when you think over the years and so many years ago, how much it cost to build this, and they they sold it for. It, at auction, um, it it went for fourteen million. Wow, like that. I mean, it was it it was a fire sale. Anyway, they uh, this is the story of Detroit. Yeah, uh, but the people that bought it, um, which is called the platform, 
Uh, it's made up of uh, the people at the head of it are a man named Peter C- uh, Cumming and Dietrich Noer. And the two of them have a real commitment. And I talked to a number of people down at the Fisher Building at Pure Detroit, and they said they're so happy with this management team. Good. Um, they are putting uh, right off the bat. They put four million dollars into renovation, into bringing everything up to speed. Um, that building looks like it's in good shape. It doesn't does it? look like it's in good it shape. It really yeah. does. Yeah, they've brought in all kinds of people to restore everything, anything that wasn't perfect. Um, in addition to that, they have a real commitment to neighborhoods, and they they're developing things all over the not only the new center area but into the north end uh down into um the um the the area um adjacent to Belle Isle that's um, great oh there's that island, island view island view yeah um they're the ones that are responsible for the new um um let's see what is it Cass and oh there's a big um well, Tech Town. Um, oh, yeah, that area yeah. right over by Wayne State right. University. They're building uh, mixed-use um, housing, retail, commercial. You know, I am seeing, you know, cranes all over the city mm-hmm. nowadays um, mm-hmm. and in these neighborhoods. And the new center is, I think, one of the big hot Hot areas. And just driving around that area, all those buildings just seem mm-hmm. so pretty. You know, they're all very interesting, you know, architecturally. Well, the whole area along it's Woodward lovely. there um, in what's been called uh, Milwaukee Junction. Right. That's adjacent to the Q-Line stop and the Amtrak. Um, all of those storefronts are being redone, and a lot of them are in – are being restored to their That's so great. their Art Deco uh, magnificence. It's wonderful. Uh, we went down to uh, this last year uh, to a, a really cute shop that was down there, and you had to kind of walk through scaffolding to get inside because they're redoing the whole front uh, of that whole row. And uh, it was kind of a, a feminist bookshop. Um, uh, <laughs> we wound up buying a um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg action figure doll oh for, our, for our granddaughter. That sounds like Portland, <laughs> Oregon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so in any event, there's uh, there's interesting things down there, and they're going to make it look really nice because that had become awfully dilapidated. It had gotten bad. It really had. Yeah. But for some reason, the Fisher never, never got, you know, kind of tawdry or – you know, it it always stayed beautiful. I think, you know, mm-hmm. suburbanites are used to going down to the Fisher I, I think because, Theater. I think because of the if theater. If they go nowhere else downtown. Right, right. And, it, you know, the building has maintained. I remember taking my niece there, you know, maybe 20 years ago. Um, we went to go see a play and she just couldn't stop looking at the ceiling and mm-hmm. The floors and the walls and just couldn't believe it. So, you know, I'm so happy for the building that they've got a a great owner now and for the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. Um, It's wonderful. I mean, it's a great place to just kind of hang out. Yeah. 
Yeah, and with those coffee shops and the little stores, and that dress shop is great. They've got a lot more than just dresses there too. So, you know, it's a great gift shop. Right. And I would imagine as, you know, with all of this tremendous development going on around it, you're going to actually have people living there again. I think so. And uh, so this is going to be, it's going to be uh, definitely mutually beneficial because it's going to be good for the building and for the tenants there. And it's going to be great for the people in the area. Well, I think we're ready to wrap up unless you've got anything else said to say about the Fisher Building. No, I, I'm so glad that I went. and um, Take you know, that tour. It's great. Take the tour. Highly recommend it. That's right. And uh, some of the other Detroit, pure Detroit tours. And just kind of wander around the building if mm-hmm. you've got a day free and, you know, take your time looking at everything. Definitely go up to that second floor concourse. I cannot pe- emphasize that enough. Right. And a lot of people are rediscovering it right now with the uh, the phenomena that is Hamilton down there. Absolutely. <laughs> it is a phenomena. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's been great once again, Ed. And uh, I want to thank our listeners for uh joining us today as we talked about the wonderful Fisher Building. And we invite everyone to check out Comeback City. That's right. 